0: Hey there. Welcome back to the Thoughts on Selling podcast. I'm your host, Lee Levitt. Through conversations with fellow sales leaders, sales enablement and operations executives, and experts in sales performance, together we explore how to improve enterprise sales productivity. This is the beginning of the conversation. I invite you to take one or two interesting tidbits from the conversation with our guest, talk them through with your team, and take one specific step to improve your sales productivity. Then let me know how it goes. I want to hear what you learned, the actions you took, and the results you generated. You can find show notes, past podcasts, and a contact form at podcast.thoughtsonselling.com. And here's an opportunity. If you feel that something is getting in your way of being a more successful salesperson or manager, engaging a coach might help you to achieve more of your sales and personal goals. I've coached individual salespeople, sales managers, and company principals over the years, helping them to break through to higher performance and personal satisfaction. I have a couple of individual coaching slots opening up in early 2024. To learn more about how coaching can help you to be even more successful, please visit acceleragroupcom meet to schedule an initial conversation and be sure to ask about our no risk guarantee. I look forward to talking to you. And now, on to the conversation. And welcome back to the podcast. Today, we've got Marina Devalia here to discuss sales and marketing alignment. Marina is a B&B marketing leader with almost 15 years of experience. Now she's a fractional CMO, an advisor, and a founder of Playbook Lab, a boutique agency that's all about sales and marketing alignment. Marina, I'm so happy to have you as a guest today. We had so much fun getting together and talking about sales and marketing alignment. Tell me a little bit more about yourself so that the listeners can understand who you are and where you're coming from.
1: Thank you for having me, Lee. Very excited to be part of your podcast. I come from the background of B2B SaaS marketing for over 13 years now. I had three leadership roles in the past 10 years or so, all within B2B SaaS market. And as I was leading my marketing teams, working with sales, I realized what a huge gap there still is, unfortunately, between marketing and sales teams. And how that negatively impacts the businesses when it's not addressed and what a new normal that is and it's just kind of expected to have that strange friction and strange relationship that is never seems to be fulfilled to its full potential between the two revenue teams and as i embarked on this journey of founding playbook lab i really tried to focus the help that I provide for SaaS businesses on alignment between the teams and what does that mean for their bottom line and how can we fix some of that breakdown in communication or process. So yeah, that's the summary of what I'm all about when it comes to marketing.
0: Yeah, so Marina, we talked about this a little bit uh, over the past couple of weeks. What do you think the key driver is that keeps marketing and sales from being aligned? We've got employees of the same company that have different job functions, but ultimately the job of a company is to create customers. Marketing helps create customers and sales helps create customers. Why is there this lack of alignment between marketing and sales? What's your perspective on that?
1: I can only speak for marketers, right? Because I've been in those shoes a lot, and I've been working a lot with CROs and hands of sales, so I can also speak a little bit on their behalf, but mostly, of course, I'm biased towards the marketing end of the world. I think it's because marketers don't really do a great job of advocating their value or really becoming their own champions and champions of their teams and the value those teams provide to the bottom line. So revenue marketing is kind of a buzzword, has been a buzzword for quite some time now. And everybody has slightly different definition of it. And I think people really try to focus too much on the marketing sourced revenue, like that percent that is that 30 percent, is a 20 percent, which is like never enough for sales to begin with. And the value just kind of stops there. So when you don't produce on that particular attribution to revenue you're just kind of done and I think we are we were trained to just do so many different things brand tell compelling stories do product marketing provide this value based solutions and selling for our entire organizations that we just kind of in a shuffle of it, forget about how to communicate the value of everything we do, apart from the direct impact to revenue that is very measurable and has direct ROI from your program.
0: Right, I don't think it's the SLA that marketing isn't meeting sales expectations of the X percent. I think it's more fundamental than that. Sales says, I need to hit my quota today, or I need to hit my quota this month or this quarter. And marketing says, we're working on campaigns and it's gonna take a while. And so the objectives are slightly different. And the perspective of the path to those objectives is slightly different. The salesperson wants a name that they can call. And by the way, they want their mobile phone and their business phone and their home phone and their Twitter account and their LinkedIn, everything else so that sales can call that person and fax them an order form today. And marketing says, well, we're running campaigns and it's gonna take a while. There is this different perspective on how the business works. We can go into the conversation about why it doesn't work. First, I want to remind our listeners, Marina is going to give a couple of really important talking points that at the end of this conversation, she wants you to go off and do. This is not an academic conversation. We're actually going to give you things to go off and do. So take notes, even if you're driving or out on a trail run, take notes and make sure that you get value out of this by putting her thoughts and suggestions into action. So Marina... Let's get back to this conversation. We've got these two groups in an organization. How can we get them to work together?
1: You are absolutely rightly when it comes to just like different paths to the end game. And you've touched upon that with there is instant gratification of the sales activity versus like the long game of the traditional marketing activities. The job that we as marketers have to do today is to meet sales where they are, right? So we were... Debating for quite some time, what exactly should our contribution be to revenue? And the answer that I keep going back to is 100%. There's no 50, there's no 60, there's no other fractions that you can effectively measure. You really need to change your mindset and operate in the sales enablement framework. It's not a role, it's not a title. It is your operating model. And I think the successful marketing organization is the one that embraces the sales enablement.
0: I think you said something really important. Sales enablement is not a role, it is a mindset. And the mindset is we're going to improve the performance of sales based on the assets that we provide, the training that we provide, the coaching we provide, the facilitation, facilitated learning so that the salesperson can do their job more effectively. When a salesperson believes that a marketer is gonna deliver them high quality leads, in many cases, that's not what they're gonna get. What they get is a foundation to go off and build their business. And so when marketing says we can help you through revenue enablement or marketing and sales enablement, it's up to the salesperson to go have that three foot conversation with a customer, not marketing, right? If, if marketing was delivering closed leads, we wouldn't need sales.
1: Exactly. And as try leading, when I'm talking about the mindset, the operating model that comes next, with the mindset and with your teams, try leading with the questions like, or with statements like, we help build better sales processes. Or we are all about higher average sales prices and deal sizes, right? How can we increase that? How can we improve that? We're about better funnel velocity. We're about sales enablement. That is more of the new mantra that you have to adopt, especially given this economic uncertainty right now. And so many times unfortunately, the value of marketers and some of the revenue marketing initiatives is often questioned versus celebrated. you definitely need to lead in into, again, like sales enablement and, and trying to meet them. At the bottom of that funnel. Yes, mm-hmm. it's a balance. Yes, you still need to focus on bringing in that flow, that top of the funnel flow, do your long game initiatives and campaigns that your mind was trained to do and your skill set is telling you to. Start meeting sales at the bottom of the funnel and sales teams at the bottom of the funnel and asking those pointed questions like why do opportunities get stuck how can we help what can we produce what can we help what can we do to help move them
0: along so speaking okay. of someone who's been in sales enablement for longer than it was called sales enablement it uh, mm-hmm. early on in my career it was just called sales support we never have enough resources the sales enabler doesn't have the ability to create unlimited amount of content. So we would go to product management or marketing and say, We need these assets, or we'd like to change these existing assets. And so when marketing comes to the table and says, How can we help? the sales enabler says, Great, let's see how we can help. So it sounds to me like sales enablement may be that bridge between marketing and sales.
1: Yes. And you're we talking about resources. And I think we, what's also important to touch on is that. The misalignment between marketing and sales that exists in many organizations, it's very much so measurable. People don't get to the point of measuring it because why bother, right? When you start having the conversations internally with your internal stakeholders about the value of some of the sales enablement-focused initiatives or some of the roles that some of your marketing or sales team members need to take on in that particular mindset and framework... Harvard Business Review, a couple of years ago, did a study of how much it costs organizations when the two teams operationally not align. It's over a trillion dollars. That's like 12 zeros. That's a lot of money. And that's measuring all the wasted efforts around content, your people, the time spent on marketing campaigns that nobody seen two fruitful results and nobody picked up on the sales side and led through to the very end. And most importantly, all those sales opportunities, there is just a breakdown in operational flow of information and leads and all all that activity that marketing produces and conversions just like never gets realized.
0: That's a great point. A good friend of mine who ran marketing operations at HP years ago found that 90% of their marketing assets had never been touched once. Now, HP generates a lot of marketing assets. 90% had never been touched once. And this was at a time when real live people created those assets. The effort involved in creating assets or programs or campaigns that are never used or that are not effectively used, you can take those resources and apply them to activities programs or assets that jointly marketing and sales agree and contest agree will drive results. Have you seen that in, in your own consulting with clients? Have you seen changes in how they do things when come to that realization that much of their existing activities is going to waste?
1: Unfortunately, yes. It's not necessarily like an epidemic of the problem. Still, their peers and partners and great marketing and sales organizations I've had pleasure working with throughout the years generally get the point in marketing activities and campaigns and see the ROI. There is still that unsaid truth that, yeah, how much of that content actually is put to work in our sales process. Know the answer to that question. There are ways to productively measure the answer to that question and really try to put a score or number on each touch point, each activity that sales and marketing has uh, on your leads and customers, and whether that triggers them to move those opportunities down the
0: funnel. So I just heard two interesting points from you, two very important points, actually. One... It takes an intervention to cause organizations to take a step back and say, okay, what's the value of what we're doing? What should we be doing differently? And the second piece is putting measurements on what you're doing and reevaluating whether what you're doing is, is effective or not. It's that first piece of the intervention. Organizations have this inertia of, we're going to keep doing what we're doing until something traumatic happens. And just expect that things will change with a little bit more application of force, but that doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, definitely doesn't. And usually like there needs to be a third party facilitator and that's bring anyone even within your organization that is not necessarily doing the marketing or sales job every single day to operationally look at how the two organizations working together. The good news is that you don't have to try to fix it all in one day that's very intimidating and that's it's a huge undertaking it's very disruptive as well right so generally throughout the work that i've done and through some of the research and talking to peers like yourselves and uh, some of the market marketing leaders and sales folks i see three main general buckets and problems that companies have when problems that they can start fixing that are not necessarily bite-sized but at least there is start and the end that is feasible in the next right. three to six days to accomplish.
0: So don't blow the ocean. Start small. Show achievable results. Agree on a common goal. And sometimes the fact that an organization has brought in a third-party facilitator or consultant indicates that they've agreed on a common goal, but they don't want to have an internal person drive it because that internal person may have a bias or may not have the facilitation resources or the expertise to create that alignment.
1: The bias is a big one, the weight of the knowledge and the baggage that comes with that as well. And unconsciously, you step into kind of protective mode sometimes, right? And the goal here is to not go and like completely deconstruct and disrupt. The goal is to bring out the things that work to the surface and lead with else and just reevaluate and see what's working, what's not, and keeping the things that are working because every organization has things that are working right. just fine, right?
0: In my consulting, Marina, or in sales coaching, when I'm working with a rep, I use the tenant number one of the Hippocratic Oath. First, do no harm. Don't break something that's working. Make it better.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, like where... The first and not everybody has that problem right but again i see these buckets usually areas where we can do deep dives and one of them and if there is a problem there it should be addressed immediately is level setting your expectation of marketing performance when it comes to the sales and marketing alignment of course in that context how much going back to again putting the number on it although we know that marketing so much more than just 30 40 50 60% of revenue direct revenue attribution most of this disjointed meetings and disruptive discussions and animosity between the teams comes when there is this perceived problem that marketing doesn't deliver on their promises so go back to the promises Evaluate whether these promises are even feasible. Why did you make those promises? How did you get to committing to those numbers? Level set. Go back to the drawing board with your sales counterparts and together show them what the thought process is now, right? So what can we keep? What can we lose? What can we pause? Revisit your programs and their ROI Things change, things shift, especially, again, it's cyclical, and now a lot of things that worked before in progress probably are not performing as well anymore. So where can we move the budget to? Add those new revenue expectations. SLA is still a good way to do that, right? It's yeah. not a one-size-fits-all, and it's not going to solve all your problems. A good SLA goes a long way.
0: It's as much the conversation about what makes an SLA good as opposed to the number itself. Because there's a number of components into the design of an SLA. When we say 30%, what does an acceptable lead look like, right? How far down the pipeline do you expect it to go? Is it a warm lead? Is it a cold lead? I'd like to move on to a more granular conversation. Let's take a look at Greenfield or new logo acquisition versus account expansion or account-based marketing. Are there discrete differences in how you would drive an approach for Greenfield versus ABM in terms of marketing and sales alignment?
1: Yes. The premise of ABM, and it's funny to me how many people are still struggling. or oh, they think that they're struggling with ABM because they they think that they need to buy some sort of a really expensive tool that costs them tons of thousands of dollars a year. The core of ABM is marketing and sales alignment. Is the two teams coming to the table marketing and sales, understanding the pool of the total addressable market that we're going to go and really- Or
0: share of wallet within an account, yeah.
1: Exactly. And understanding what those parameters look like for the ideal customer profile, right? Mm -hmm. Identifying that pool and then going and writing specific tactics to engage demand units without those accounts. It can be one-to-one, one-to-many, one-to-few whatever kind of floats your boat, right? at the core of it is, again, that mutual understanding of what that targeted account pool is looking like. The tactics can vary from targeted events, very specific into geographic location, can be, of course, digital ads, specific content and case studies of like-minded and looking alike customers. So that's one. Customer upsell programs or cross-sell programs often use the same tactics and then some because they're leading with product and features and they invite your customers into behind the closed door. They get the early look of all your features and functionalities that you have cooking there, right? So they feel special. Some of those tactics also work really great. And the other side of your funnel, so pre-acquisition. I've seen interesting sales journeys that incorporate successfully some of the tactics that your customer upsell and cross-sell teams use earlier on in your buy cycle. So examples being, if you're engaging with a customer within your targeted account pool, part of your ABM strategy, let's say, you invite them to a closed door, peek behind the curtain, virtual event or in-person event where some of the great customers are coming together and talking about the best use of your platform or getting a sneak peek to some of the features because some of those use cases that will be discussed there applies to them. They will feel so special. I haven't seen completely or disengaged leads that will come from that. The key is here is just again, like looking holistically at your sales journey and some of the touch points that you have there and stepping away from who is doing them, why they're doing them, what's the point, and looking just like what works and what engages the audience.
0: Let me ask you a tactical question, Marina. Sometimes it's the implementation that stands in the way of success. When I was part of a key account team at Oracle, where we would plan to do an on-site event for a customer, we did a, a huge marketing summit for, uh, for Merck, for instance, a customer experience summit. Core team looked for resources to help plan that event. And so the challenge is, we've got a delivery team, sales, we've got delivery team, marketing, we've got other delivery teams. There isn't a formal facilitator to make sure that those teams are working together. So maybe in certain size organizations someone can be delegated with it the responsibility of coordinating those resources because we didn't know who to reach out to. We contacted field marketing, we contacted corporate marketing and the answer is I don't know, we can help but we're booked up. And so there wasn't process to formal there, there wasn't a formal process to engage assistance. And so we did it through personal relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think again it's that the devil's in the details of if there was a role to reach out to and say this is what we're doing, this is the help we need. Sometimes with field events, there is that formal process. You go to field marketing and they've got budget, they've got people that can support local events, breakfast sessions or or lunches and learns, and, and they support that. And I think that there are more tactical activities such as ABM or similar things that can drive penetration into accounts or expansion into accounts that we're not talking about a large investment in people or headcount. We're talking about dedication of resources or identification of contacts. What's your thought on that?
1: I discuss that with the teams very often because to your point is everybody has full time jobs, everybody has priorities to meet. And again, when we started talking earlier about start slow, you doesn't have to, you don't have to reinvent the, your entire operations or teams and how they operate on day one. Right. At least as you get some of that work in the background, the perfect example, let's say go back to ABM initiatives. Don't just limit them to marketing. Don't just limit them to marketing and sales when it comes to the drawing board and planning of the activities. Create the units that are multifunctional so that there should be customer success, marketing, and sales representative. Doing these initiatives is a unit. Constant communication of and flow and data flow and communication flow and reporting and just insights. There has to be the cadence of that. There has to be... Then naturally, you build operational foundation to have that to be supported. And that is alignment. That is the flourishing start of very productive relationship between your teams and cross-functional relationships. Again, it's just like training the muscle of working with other teams and not just constantly thinking about your own skin. What is there for me? How is that going to look in my numbers? no you then start gaining appreciation of the peers and how much they can contribute and offer towards this common goal right and that is undeniable value inside So what you're
0: describing is a strategy of informal cross-functional working groups that will organize operate and disband on not quite on an as-needed basis but on some version of a scheduled basis you Corporate does some research and says, we're underpenetrated in this account or these accounts. And so we're going to go form those ad hoc groups to do greater account penetration activities there, or we're going to do regional greenfield activities there. The mindset is you're going to spend some part of your year working with people across different functions. And that's not permanent. It's part of your job and the groups are going to change. And so take your learning from one group to the next group. I don't think that approach is common
1: Unfortunately not. Generally, people like to work in their own silos, especially now. The work from home situation and virtual meetings don't necessarily help because people are more so silent and isolated. I feel right. like in their own little cocoons. The other thing that you can do apart from these like ad hoc working groups, and again, like it's all about training that muscle of sharing yep. and collaboration, <laughs> information sharing, creating these mini processes that can be scaled, bringing the operations teams through once in a blue moon to see how they can help, how can they streamline. The other one. And it's commonly just initiative that people do for like a sales kickoff or something. They have this get-togethers and they share everything they're going to do every year, mm-hmm. right? And everybody just kind of aligns, they think, and agrees on stuff. But then they go back and all of that information is just kind of lost. You kind of remember what marketing is supposed to do. It kind of vaguely sounds familiar two months later in the meeting where they're like, oh yeah, we were supposed to do that event. I find huge value creating internal documentation that is digital and sometimes in physical format that aligns all of your teams throughout your organizations and service service, uh, training materials that align your teams on what we do, who we are today. Not like yesterday, but today, maybe there was an acquisition event that happened and now we do different things, right? Like more so it's important not to have just a workshop that lasted one or two days at the beginning of the year creating some sort of aids and tools for people to fall back on that again talk about our value proposition what is the core use cases of our platform that everybody should know by heart and it should be in a very concise and simple language in plain english or whatever language you guys are speaking right and what is our competition now what is our ideal customer profile like who do we go to who are we trying to target how do we get them? How do we target? What are our technical play? So the value is often under, uh, underestimated, unfortunately. And I think more people that start adopting that see the results of not just general alignment, but just better productivity because... Again, if marketing is running one direction and, and try and seems to have their stuff together and uh, approaching the finish line and, and penetrating certain accounts and engaging certain leads, but sales still thinks that we are selling B over here or something, that it's just not productive. And more often than not, I see that type of documentation and tools and frameworks be used cross-functionally in all departments for onboarding, at least the portion of it, that the, the importance of everybody speaking the same language is undeniable.
0: Right. You just mentioned onboarding, Marina, and I want to distinguish internal enablement versus external enablement. Internal enablement, from my perspective as a sales enabler internal enablement means helping the salesperson or the sales engineer or the customer success manager to improve their skills external means helping to improve pipeline velocity which might also involve skills but from a marketing standpoint maybe totally external to the sales organization so so from a sales enablement standpoint i go to marketing and i say i've got two sets of activities one I want to improve the knowledge and skills of these people and of these employees. And then two, separately, I want to create more efficacious marketing programs or customer acquisition programs. And so those are related and distinct because the assets or the knowledge that I would bring to one is going to be more about the market, the industries, the customers, the skill sets. And the second is more focused on customer acquisition.
1: Absolutely. And more so it's viewed as two sets of different tools and frameworks, especially on the sales side. For marketers, it's a little bit easier because this is what we operate within. There's no stop and then start when we talked about our market and how we talk about our solutions. And then all of that literally flows into our campaign strategy and and how Mm -hmm. we go and penetrate those markets. For sales, I think that's where the misalignment happens, right? the, the silo have they train me to say this then when i'm talking on the phone i don't want to say that because that just doesn't sound right that's the problem well then why didn't you say to your marketing peers that that's not what my people want to hear when i talk to them on the phone so many times you're in sales kickoff, and again or, or other training meetings It seems like marketers are trying to just shove all that content and this messaging down their throats where so many times it's not necessarily wrong, but there are tweaks and nuances that should be there. And the only way they marketers can know about them, if there is two-way communication and information flow. Marketers, please go and listen to those recorded calls and conversations and to those demos. Find couple hours a month. That's not that much during your lunch. Yes, it's not a podcast
0: <laughs> that right.
1: leads hosting. So do that too. Sometimes do listen to those conversations, get something out of that. Now there is AI and technology that transcribes it all and spits out all this insight, like use it, use it.
0: And before that, before we use AI to transcribe and to summarize for us, at Google, I always required the product management folks to come to the table with their sales presentations in three components. The first was talk about the customer. The second is talk about the product or service. And the third is talk about talk about personas and messaging and resources. And before that, 99% of the presentations were, here's the product. That product doesn't exist in a vacuum. Talk to us about why that product exists. What problem does it really solve? Who's using it? Give us some case studies. And then, after talking about the product, tell us about the VP of marketing or the head of operations, what you would say to that person. That was us as sales enablement people forcing that sales ready asset format onto the people that wanted to get information to the sales organization. We did some of that with the marketing team as well when we were helping people prepare for events. Marketing understands the value of customer messaging, product management, not so much. And so we were their forcing function. And I also see that marketing, in many cases, thinks one to many, and sales is always one to one. Sales Mm -hmm. talks about the three-foot conversation, the executive conversation, standing face to face with a customer. What do I say to that person? Not what do we say to that market, but what do I say? to that person. I think your point is really valid, Marina. I don't see a lot of feedback loops in organizations where marketing says, we want to know how it's working. We want to know what we can do better. Here it is. The next one's coming out in two months. And sales goes, that's crap. We're not using it. Because there's no feedback loop, the alignment falls apart because neither side sees, neither side believes that their needs are being met. And building in that feedback loop would open up that conversation.
1: Yes, and again, like start small. You don't have to go tomorrow and say, okay, this is how we operate and we're going to just turn everything upside down and it's just not going to stick, right? So going back to those mini initiatives that you can put together throughout the year with your team, starting from accountability exercise on both fronts and the SLA of let's see how we can produce more for you and what you on the sales end are going to do with that, right? And mutual accountability and respect and partnership comes in to play the mini working groups and throughout the year those units collaboration units that we talked about campaign feedback messaging feedback that's your weekly meetings i'm a huge proponent of building marketing teams that reflect the structure of the sales team so when i ran demand generation programs i had and let's say we had three products that address two different markets then i will have and the sales team is structured per market Per tier. Maybe you don't have enough butts and sees to have demand gen specialists to be in each market in each tier, but at least you have one to a minimum, like in each market and an expert of that domain and the point of contact for the sales team to go and create that feedback loop. And check in every week and share and overshare, you know, and get that feedback out of them. I can't underestimate the power of leading by example as well for senior leaders. You as a marketing leader and uh, as a chief revenue officer, let's say, lead by example and interact with your counterparts more than once a week in a more productive way. Don't just look at the numbers.
0: I'll ask you this question. We spent some time reviewing your playbooks from the Playbook Lab, and it seems to me like some of those playbooks are designed to create that structure of the conversation and of marketing and sales alignment so that this doesn't happen by accident, that people come to you and say, we give up, we need some help. What can you do? And you've got an approach that already takes into account that lack of alignment, that lack of conversation, that lack of feedback loop. Not only are they coming to you for the help in what should we say, how do we make it happen within the organization? Is that a good way of describing the playbooks at some level?
1: Yes. And thank you for that. And rarely I see the problem in all kind of areas of the misalignment or operationally. Some organizations have really strong operational foundation. So they have those SLAs in place. They have that attribution in place. They have the tech and operations and the reporting. They have very poor visibility into their sales funnel, and they don't necessarily see how the content should be plugged in where should we lose some of it? How can we streamline our customer journeys? That becomes more of a problem. And so you pointedly go there and I call it a sales enablement plan because that's what you do as a marketer there and just kind of dissect your content programs and see where they fit so you can enable sales better <laughs> to move opportunities right. down the funnel. Right or it's the matter of realigning the messaging when the teams are just running completely different directions and using completely different approaches when it comes to conveying the value of your solutions so it's a matter of sitting and going through the exercise starting with your customers what is the value of our solution? And doing those interviews and bring that back to the organizations and retraining your teams and aligning them through some of the tools and frameworks. The first step to solving the alignment issue is acknowledging that there is one, right? And maybe it's not as glaring The teams might have great relationships and working dynamics, but you see that there's just some stuff falling through the cracks and you just don't know where to start and how to glue them back together. There are tools that are digestible and easy and don't have to cost you an arm and a leg and that you can easily sustain and implement throughout the year and revisit. Yeah, make them digestible, easier and stickier. That's when you're going to have the success. You don't have to reinvent the the structures of your team, the operations and make it costly.
0: Marina, I have a feeling we could probably talk for another four hours on this. And we might do that after we turn off the record button. Is there anything else that we want to cover or touch on that we haven't yet? And if so, great. And if not, I'd like you just to remind our listeners what you would like them to do as a result of having listened to this podcast.
1: First of all, thank you for having me, Lee, again. Great conversation as always. Look forward to more. And if you have to take one thing away, if you're a marketer, go to your teams and start asking those sales enablement value questions to your team. Meaning, how can we help sales move opportunities down the funnel? Start there. In this economy, In this situation that we're all facing now when the budgets are tight, you don't have a luxury of long game campaigns. You need to provide impact today, now, yesterday, most likely. So start there and lead by example. Collaborate with the senior peers on your teams. Create some sort of structure and cadence where you drive alignment and your both teams see that fruitful relationship. If you are chief revenue officer, I would encourage you to do the same. Yes, maybe it's not necessarily part of your identity (laughs) to go and be like, hey, marketing, how can you help me close? That's usually more of a one-to-one relationship they have with their prospects and they sometimes get overly protective and territorial. Try to see a partner in your marketing peer and see the value that they can provide. You'd be surprised what a fruitful relationship that can be
0: the context of together we win can be very powerful. Marina, this has been fabulous. I very much appreciate the conversation and the partnership. One place where people can find you is at www.playbooklab.com. Is there anywhere else on the web that we should point people to, or is that a good place to start if they want to reach out to you and ask questions or find out more information about how you can help?
1: Find me on LinkedIn as well. Marina DiValia, the only one. So luckily there's no confusion there and find me on LinkedIn. Let's chat. I'm happy to just share insights, book a call with me and I, I don't ask for anything in return. I love good conversations.
0: We do love these conversations. That's why we do what we do. I will put your Playbook Lab link in the show notes and your LinkedIn profile link in the show notes as well. Marina, thank you again. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Lee. And that's a wrap. Another great deep dive into the topic of sales performance improvement. i like to end a session with specific actions. So remember, please take one or two interesting tidbits from this conversation, talk them through with your team, and take one specific step to improve your sales productivity. And let me know how it goes. We'd love your feedback on the podcast, and I'd really appreciate it if you would recommend this podcast to one or two coworkers. You can find show notes, past podcasts, and a contact form at podcast.thoughtsonselling.com. Dot .com Thanks for listening